Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Lombardi Line, v the Sports Betting Network. Michael Lombardi, the playoffs are coming, and they're coming fast. You got 3.30 your time, 12.30 my time, we kick off, so I'm excited about that. Quickly, as we say hi to Michael, the uh, Dr. Cousins is out. Yeah. Your boy, Kirk Cousins has tested I mean, positive, he's out. Who saw that coming? The world. Well, yeah, I mean, could he do more harm to one franchise, take all the money, you know, take all the money, be selfish, take all the money. Mm. And then, you know, don't protect the team. And, you know, he's, now he's going to cost his head coach his job. Not going to make the playoffs, That's right. you know, and they're going to be seven and nine going into the last weekend. And you can k- kiss them goodbye. Everybody's going to take whoever in, in the contest. You can guarantee write it down. The Green Bay at seven is the, is the easy play here. I mean, it's kind of a selfish, it's selfish on his part. I mean, it's just part of the Kirk Cousins, you know, when you go over the tapestry of his career, it's just just take all the money, don't do anything to help the team, Mm. and, you know, play good when you play good, put great numbers up, and, you know, don't get criticized. I mean, why why does Aaron Rodgers get so much criticism and Kirk Cousins doesn't? It's a fair question. It's fascinating to me. You know, to me, this is just part of the Kirk Cousins. There'll be a documentary on it. I mean, really, you talk about a lack of being a team player, and this is pretty the case. Look, I don't begrudge him. His W-2 is, is, is his money that he's made. He deserves it. But obviously winning isn't most important to him. Yeah, it's well put. It was seven, six and a half, seven. Is seven uh, prior to the announcement. It immediately came off the board. I was texting with my friend Jason. I said it's going to be well above ten. Well, Circa has posted it. Westgate had posted. That is coming up Sunday night. Minnesota Green Bay is now thirteen. So he impacted that number. Can we six. flex it out? Can we flex it out? I mean, who wants to watch Al it? Michael, do you think Al Michaels is spending? Uh, there's no way Al Michaels is spending New Year's Eve in Appleton, Wisconsin, at the Lombardi Hotel right over there where everybody stays. There's just no chance, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a rad. Actually, it's a Radisson. The Lombardi Steakhouse is in the Radisson there in Appleton. I, I urge everyone, if you're a football fan, that it's one of the greatest. It's not, I'm not saying it's a great steakhouse. It's a good steakhouse, but it has the greatest memorabilia of Lombardi you could ever see. Love in there. to see that. Tremendous, tremendous. Thirteen and a half DraftKings just went there. So Minnesota Green Bay. That's the news as we open up the Lombardi line here on New Year's Eve. Kirk Cousins is out again. Who saw it coming? Everybody. So we saw it with Wentz. We saw it with Cousins. You know, Wentz, you know, he's, he doesn't have to test. Uh, he, all he has to do is be asymptomatic, as we talked about yesterday. I mean, I went over those rules again. They posted them online. <laughs> Good luck. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's so subjective, you know, it's so subjective. But, uh, you know, I mean, if the, if he goes if he doesn't play and they lose to the Raiders, there's another one. That matchup, Minnesota Green Bay, I'm not overly excited about. I will tell you, for a multitude of reasons, I'm very excited about these semis today. Cincinnati, Alabama, just and may I just tell you this? So, so I had a chance. I was on the field last night for a little bit watching warmups with here at Allegiant Stadium, Michael, with Arizona State and Wisconsin, and just the player. I'm not putting down Arizona State's kids, but the difference in recruit of Wisconsin and Arizona State was glaring. Not only just bigger, Michael, but the athletes. Wisconsin had better athletes, they were bigger. I bring that up because now Cincinnati, Alabama, there's gonna be a discrepancy between athlete. We understand like Jerome Ford, the number one running back there, the ball, uh, the bell cow for uh, Cincinnati. He, he played two years at Alabama. He was recruited by Alabama. It's not like, as far as a group team, Cincinnati's a big team, but there are going to be differences as far as human beings here. No doubt. And the differences lie as the game goes on and the depth of these teams. Because like we talked about yesterday, you know, you're going to miss a certain guy. You know, yeah, you'll miss Meacham. But Ja'Cory Brooks could be really good. You know, Hall could be really good. You know, Holden, Baker. We don't even know these names. Slade Bolden. I mean, who could it be? You know, all these guys are are legitimate. They would be the best of the recruiting class of Cincinnati. Yes. And I think Amal makes a great point, and this is a tribute to Coach Saban, is Saban signs off on every player. I mean, he's not just going to say, okay, if you want him, we'll take him. No, that's not what he does. He's got to watch it. He's got to be sold on it before he says, offer him a scholarship. And they rarely miss. They rarely miss. Now, there's sometimes like Kamara, where, you know, there's some off-the-field issues that forced him to transfer to Tennessee, you know, and so I think there's sometimes where they lose some players, but they rarely miss on guys. And I think as this game goes on, I think the, the volume of talent of Alabama will ultimately be what causes Cincinnati to lose the game. So we discussed yesterday we thought where we thought it would end up. It's 14 at most books. You can still find a 13-and-a-half. So if you are on Bama – that's you got to have the best number. 13 and a half would be it. If you're on Cincinnati, it's 14. You got a total of 57, Michael. This is it's 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 just fascinating just because it's the first group team ever. And this is where Bama lives. Bama lives in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, you know, the other thing is, too, is we, we know Nick Saban is really, really good at spending time breaking down the opponent and allowing him to figure out what he needs to do to win the game defensively. And I think Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, I think they proved themselves to be elite coaches in college football with their game plan against Georgia. And I think that's really, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really challenging for, you know, Cincinnati to take this giant step. I love that Cincinnati's here. They earned it. They belong here. You know, and I don't care if they lose by 21 and then people say they didn't belong. No, they earned it. They belong there. But there is a giant, huge step up in class, and it's going to take some challenge. It's going to take some. It's going to take a lot of, of luck and a lot of smart planning on how to play this game and adjusting. That's the other part. They've got to be able to adjust this. Well, to your point, Alabama hasn't played since December 4th. I was looking through Nick in the semis. He generally blows out these teams. So, and there's a reason. He's got a month to prepare. And remember, the yeah. last time we saw Alabama, they beat up on Georgia 41-24. So it's – and again, Cincinnati backers will push back and say, well, as far as the discrepancy in player, we beat Notre Dame. 
that's that's a big time program. We beat Indiana. That's a big time program, non-conference. Indiana was down this year, fair. And, and Notre Dame, we understand they're a very good football team. It's just a different level here with Alabama. And so again, do you think it closes 14 everywhere? Because mm-hmm. we're getting there. Yeah, I think it does. And I, and I think this, I would say to all the people that 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 are are, are don't want to hear what we say about Cincinnati. You're right. You had a tremendous year. But football is a game. It's a war of attrition. It's a war of attrition. And, you know, the Alabama team just has more players. And they can keep bringing more players. And they, can, and they don't lose any level of play when players are, are not tired. And they can rest their players and get them ready for the fourth quarter. And so, to me, this is just the difference in terms of how many talented players you have on your team. You know, the NFL is more balanced in that sense because, you know, a few teams have elite players and then there's a bunch of guys in the middle and the depth. I think like the Chargers, for example, the bottom half of their roster is one of the reasons why they're not very good in the kicking game. The Packers, the bottom half of their roster, you know, and so you see that in college football, you know, you don't usually see that discrepancy where one team has a full roster, the other because they can recruit. This is one of those games that you can see it, you know. What's interesting, Michael, about this one, you mentioned Nick Saban having time to prepare. It's funny. So Bama finishes 12-1, and 7-1 and in conference. Leading up to Georgia, they failed to cover in November against Arkansas, Auburn, and LSU consecutively leading into Georgia. And Georgia was hot. And then all of a sudden, he just, the game plan, I mean, they threw all over Georgia to mitigate that huge defensive front. And they, Bryce Young wasn't sacked. I mean, right. so the protection got better. That, that to me is glaring because Cincinnati can get to the passer, but so can Georgia, obviously, and Bryce Young wasn't sacked in that matchup. Yeah, and I mean, look, they, they, they've had their problems during the year. They were not a covering machine that we're used to seeing them, you know, and the Auburn game kind of took a lot of wind out of their sails in the sense if they would have lost that Auburn game, but they found a way to come back and win it. You know, the long drive at the end of the game for Bryce Young to get them back to get it to go to overtime was somewhat remarkable. And they're resilient. And I think those those uh, games, those close games, those ability to fight through adversity, make them a stronger team today than ever before when they face Cincinnati. It's going to be a challenge for Cincinnati. I mean, this is Cincinnati's going to have to gain a possession. They're going to have to win the kicking game. They're going to have to do something outside of just just playing good. They got they. they just can't play good today they got to do something unique to win the game and my assumption is just because Cincinnati's strength I mean first off it's a very good defensive team sack rates up but they're secondary sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant those are two pros at corner uh, my assumption is we're going to see a lot of Brian Robinson Jr., the fifth-year senior who had over 30 carries multiple times this year. I think do you think Nick if we take a look at the total you think he tries to wear down this team Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, it's a war of attrition. It's a boxing match. You know, you want to show your dominance. You don't, you know, you don't need a quick knockout punch. You want to wear them down, wear them down, get this game into the second half and really wear them down and then, then take the game over, you know, take the game over and make them have to play from behind and make them have to match and protect and pass protect. Get this one dimensional. I think riders, this is going to be such a good game to evaluate rider in. It's going to be such a good game to evaluate him and to see how his accuracy, how he performs under pressure, and how he speeds up his game, you know, how he can speed up his game moving forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. And that does give them some solace to have a guy with a ton of experience under center 
but it's just from what you're telling me, it's just Nick Saban's going to challenge this team. You're be, you're better. Yeah. It, are, are you tougher? Let's go out there and prove it. And that to me, right. it's attritional. And, and, and as long as we don't make mistakes, we will not lose they, the game. That's hundred percent right. And Cincinnati can cause turnover, so it'll be. It, it's just fascinating. And then the matchup. I was texting with a friend earlier today because I I feel like Michael has a huge lean on Michigan. Mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah. And so right now you could still get the hook. It's still seven and a half. We'll come back and discuss the second semi, of course, Michigan and Georgia. That's going to be a big one. We continue here on the Lombardi line on New Year's Eve. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, football season is here. It's time to download BetMGM Sports Nevada, Nevada's premier sports betting app. All your favorite wagering options, of course, and game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring that state-issued ID. You're ready to go. Must be 21 years or older. Please gamble responsibly. If you do have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. I also, Michael Lombardi, I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line, Beast and the Sports Betting Network. I do love the talk of, you know, Bill O'Brien takes over the offense after Sarkeesian leaves, and it's been a less dominant offense. That's going to happen when you lose Mac Jones, who, by the way, is starting for the Patriots. It's going to happen when you lose Najee Harris, who is everything for Pittsburgh. Devontae Smith's having a great year. Leatherwood and, you know, that front. 
And they're still, what, averaging 42.5 points per and 6.7 yards per. So it's like, yeah. I mean, is Alabama's offense that bad? It's, it's, it doesn't have the balance it had last year, but it's still been just, you know, it's been awesome. You know, I mean, and the fact that they're playing, I mean, I know Bryce Young won the Heisman, but he has a lot to learn and grow from. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's not an experienced player. I mean, one of the reasons you develop, you know, this is what, what happens with young quarterbacks in the NFL. They, they learn the system, and then they develop their skills within the system in the second year. And I think that's what we're going to see next year. Bryce Young's going to be even more dynamic next year. You know, and, and look, I mean, Robinson's been a really good – but typically Alabama has an, a big uh, – more of an elite player at running back than they have had this season. So, uh, you know, I, I think to me – you know, we, we have too much of we grade these Alabama games by how dominant they are when, you know, some of these other teams are good too. Oh, yeah. And you're going to have – if Cincinnati's going to have to get to Bryce Young, Michael, Georgia, 20 blitzes in the SEC championship game, no sacks. And, yeah. again, two... I, 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 it's going to be hard to <laughs> get to him. Be, I mean, if I mean... You, you're going to basically if, – if Luke Fickle says we're going to blitz, he's basically thinking his corners can hold up. And the pressure's got to win. And, you know, that's, that's a tough – and I think we'll test that out in the first quarter. We'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. And their front's got to play the best front. The, the, oh, the yeah. Cincinnati front's got to play their best. And we, we understand how great that secondary is of Cincinnati. Guess what? Georgia's got pros in their secondary as well. And two teams this year threw for more than 215 yards total against Georgia. Bryce Young threw for 248 in the second quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I mean, I, I, I don't have a heavy lean on Bama Cincinnati just because it's, I, I'll enjoy the game. I'm, I'm with you more Michigan. Um, but that SEC championship game kind of changed, opened some eyes to, oh my goodness, this, this team could yeah. be special, you know? Well, and I think, you know, when we look back over the, the Alabama season, Texas front gave them trouble, right? Mm -hmm. Auburn's front gave them trouble. That's right. You know, Arkansas had gave them some trouble. Mississippi's front didn't give them any trouble at all in that game. But for the most part, that and when you break down this team, sacks allowed, they're 100th in the country, right? They're 12th in the conference on sacks allowed. And so their inability to really be great pass protectors. So what O'Brien did and Marone did was they knew they couldn't hold the ball, so they got the ball out quick against Georgia. And I think that was the difference in the game because when you really break this down, I mean, the two key areas that you want to evaluate at offensive line is their ability to run block and their ability to pass protect, right? Yep. And Alabama is the, the, tenth, the tenth team in the conference, in the Southeast Conference, in running the football, right? The yards per carry, they're tenth. They're 81st in the nation in that category. So they don't really run the ball effectively and they don't pass protect effectively. They're the worst pass protecting team in the conference. They're 12th. So, you know, I think that that's – they've had to overcome that with the passing game and put more of the responsibility on Bryce Young, which, you know, may work out tonight because I don't know if Cincinnati has a dominant front to go against them. They had to answer that. Now, if they play – let's say they play Michigan. That's going to be an interesting game because Michigan's got guys that can rush the passer and they can hold up against the run. To your point, they picked a great time to show up and play an immaculate game, that being the SEC championship game, against a team that most thought there was a chasm between Georgia and everybody else in the country that includes Alabama, and Alabama killed them. So we'll be. Yeah, and I mean, look, and I've said this before, I don't mean any disrespect to Stetson Bennett, but it's hard to beat Nick Saban without an elite quarterback. You know, De Desmond Ryder has to play at a very elite level tonight for him to win. 
I mean, you're not going to beat Nick running the ball, play action, you know, managing the game. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to get a step. You're going to have to get blue chip play from your quarterback. And if you don't, then you're going to have a real problem. One thing I do know is I think the Lombardis are in charge of the TV programming today. We got one at 3.30 and one at 7.30. That's your sweet spot. And the yeah, one at perfect for me. At seven, I love it too, man. I, I go to sleep early. Orange Bowl. This is very much going to be yeah. a battle at the line of scrimmage. And both teams are no going to want to run the football. And I think Michigan can hang. It's seven and a half. I'll let you run with it. You, you know, I, I thought what, 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 you know, in honor of John Madden, you know, Jim's John Madden's grandson is on the Michigan team. So obviously Coach Madden had great appreciation and, and fan fanfare for the Michigan football program this year. And so he obviously watched a lot of games as I have on Michigan. And the first thing that struck me watching them against Ohio State was their ability to block. I thought the execution of their offensive line was almost pristine. It was perfect. And their fundamentals were, were outstanding. And they just really dominated the line of scrimmage. As I said many times before, they weren't ever in a third down in the, th in, the, in, the, in the second half of that game until the very end because of this offensive line. And Madden sent Harbaugh a text basically after watching that game with the same kind of envy of an offensive line, mm. which I thought really is. And to me, that's what's got to happen tonight. That offensive line has got to play to the highest level. They're going to have to throw the ball. And as Amal said yesterday, they threw it more effectively than most people think. I'm not saying they got to throw it down the field, but they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. And, you know, I think that they got an ability to run the ball. If you go back to when Michigan played Alabama in a bowl game, they ran the ball on Alabama. You remember that? I think it was a Fiesta, one of those off-the-kilter yeah. games. It was a great game. I think it was five years ago, right? You know, it was – and so that was the Florida State game. But anyway, I, I think to me they're going to have to do some things, run the ball, but they're going to have to throw it a little bit early in the game. And if they can do that, and if this line plays to the level that I think they've played it all year, frankly, I think it's been a dominant – I think it's one of the best offensive lines in all of, in, in college football. And if they're able to do that, then I think that they'll have an opportunity to, to put pressure on Bennett. They'll rush Bennett. I think there's no doubt they'll be able to put some pressure on Stetson Bennett and force him to have to make some plays in the passing game, in a drop-back pass game. And Gaddis, who's running the offense there at Michigan, has trusted McNamara more, and I agree with them all to that point. But this really comes down to Corum and Haskins and running the football. They ran for 297 yards against Ohio State. <laughs> Ohio State's not lining up with – I mean, that, that, that's a good defensive front. They, land, they ran for 297. One team has topped 130 against Georgia this year. That's why I think this is such a fascinating matchup, right? And specifically yeah, no on first down, Michael, Corum and Haskins – they're averaging almost six yards of carry on first downs. That, that's going to be key for Michigan to get, get ahead of it today. Yeah, they've got to stay ahead of the down. First down is going to be critical. Stay ahead of the down and distance. They're going to have to see this game from a throw to run, not a run to throw. And, you mm -hmm. know, and, and make some smart decisions. Cade McNair can't turn the ball over. Even in the Ohio State game when he turned it down there, gave away points. You know, and they're going to have to be able to put pressure on Bennett to get him to make some mistakes. And, and I think the one thing is in this game is, is you can't let – you can't play from behind against Georgia. If you start to play from behind against Georgia and, and they can kind of tee off on you, you got a real issue.
the other side, and you've talked about Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald's the new d defensive coordinator at Michigan, and he's completely turned this defense around. He came from Harbaugh in Baltimore to his brother. The, the secondary was terrible in 2020, completely revamped. But what you really think about when you talk about Michigan is Ojabo and Hutchinson. Those edges, right. if they can get the Bennett, they can disrupt this game. No doubt. And, 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 you know, last time they played Ohio State, Ohio State decided to stay in a five-man protection. You know, and, and that just made the game easy for Michigan. They stayed in a five-man protection, never adjusted their protections out, just felt like, okay, our five guys will block their five. They couldn't, and it became a real problem for the Ohio State passing game. I don't think, I don't think Georgia will do that. Georgia's too conservative with their passing game to do that. I think Todd Munkin will be more careful, especially knowing you've got a Chip Hutchinson, a Jabo. You're going to have to really do some good things on them or else this is how we lose the game. If we turn this ball over and let Michigan play on a short field, this is how we lose the game. So... I said seven and a half still out there. And by the way, it's mostly 110 everywhere. So that's your juice. You're vigorous. It's really not going anywhere. If I were to ask you, I've got a minute here. We'll come back and discuss. Do you think Michigan has a chance to win this game outright? Yeah, I do. I do. I think they do. Okay. I think they do. I mean, they've got to play great in the kicking game. They cannot turn the ball over. You know, they can't make the mistakes, but they there's a form. There's a pattern. There's a way I see the game going where they could win. Now, there's also a way they could lose. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I think this is a good game. I think the numbers I'm all said is a little high. If Michigan, you know, if they beat Michigan State, I mean, this probably is a four-point game. But I do see this as a way to get there. I don't see Cincinnati having a path to beat Alabama. Uh, to your point, special teams from 2020 to 2021, just a huge jump in productivity this year for Michigan. No doubt. That plays into it. No plays huge in field yep. position. Yep. Absolutely. And the kicker's been so good this year. Okay, there it is. We'll come back. We'll continue with this game is fascinating to me. And then we've got Wes Reynolds joining us as well. Lombardi Line here on New Year's Eve. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, if you missed the Lombardi line, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast. So that's iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, but also if you missed any show here across the network, every show's podcast, vsin.com/podcast. It's vsin.com/podcast. But beating the book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum. We've got Hardwood Handicappers, JVT, Lombardi Line, aforementioned. Follow the money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and more. Beeson.com slash podcast, an opportunity to catch up on every single show. Okay, Michael Lombardi, I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM on New Year's Eve. My guess is after Georgia, Michigan wraps up, you're probably not going to go clubbing with Millie. You're probably going to call it a night on New Year's Eve. No, no, I'm going to go out to dinner and enjoy the evening. Are I'll you? Make sure we have a, you know, of course, yeah, you got to, yeah. Nice. Got to bring in the new year the right way and, and, and still be able to see the game and Enjoy dinner and, and you know, it's hard to stay awake till 12 o'clock. I got to be real honest, you know. <laughs> and you got to stay you ducking know? Omicron, too. I, I, I was out last night and that's all anybody was talking about. I had a rapid test, Michael, this morning and just because I was you paranoid did. and I took it. If, now, if I take a rapid test 12 hours after I'm at a game, does it really? But I felt like I, I don't know. I just felt guilty coming to work. So I took it so negative. I was dancing yeah. around the house. But anyway, big plans. Are you hanging out with Berman tonight? Of course. Yeah, of course. Who who else would we bring the new year in with? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. That's the only way come to on. do we're it. One of, 
It's the only way to do it. And I mean, it's perfect. It's absolute... 7.30, so 8.30, Yeah, I mean, you'll have the game will yeah. wrap up, and you'll have an opportunity to hang out. You know when you're old, when when you know when I was a young kid, we used to, everybody from Ocean City. This is when gyms became popular, and everybody joins this gym over offshore. We call it offshore, which you have to cross a bridge because we're on an island. And and, and one of my favorite uh, people in the world was the mayor of the town. He was an Italian guy, and his son he joined the club too. And his son filled out his app, filled out his goals, and his his goal was to stay awake past seven thirty. And you know when you reach that point in life, you know. Oh, you know you're old. You know you know you're old. <laughs> but I was looking at a map because Ocean City, where you live, gets so mixed with Ocean City, and yeah, Maryland. In Maryland, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at a map, and it's such an interesting spot where you live. Quickly, and I because we're a gambling show, and I, this is my fault. I'm walking you right into this. Why'd your family settle there on the island? You know, most of the the Italians that are from here that, that that came here because they were they 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 are from Ischia, which is a little island off the coast of Naples, and so this is a little island off the coast of New Jersey. That's Not cool. that they look the same, you know, but there was similarities between the two. So when they landed at Ellis Island, they one or two came down this way, and the next thing you know, that led to more coming that this way, and so most of this. Ocean City, there's not a lot. There's not a huge Italian population. There's there's significant amount. Gay Talese, the the great writer, honor thy father. He went yeah. to school with my mother. He's from here. But you, you, uh, you, you, they're mostly all from. Most of this town is from Naples, Ischia, Capri, and then the Foggy side, which is the Adriatic side. So do I have to do like a special handshake to get on the island, or is there something no, to that? No, no, no. No, just bring your own booze though, because <laughs> we're dry it. town. It is just BYOB. Own booze. Yeah. It is, it's BYOB. It yeah. is BYOB. Yeah, better, better go to Circle Liquor Store. Ask for Chester. He'll give you a good discount. Come right over. Everything will be good. <laughs> Shout to Chester. We've got Wes joining us. Our very own Chester coming up in a little bit. Interested to get his take on the two semis. We talked to him all yesterday. He said he felt like this number was heavy. Now I'm getting nervous. Because you, I'm all everybody, but it just, it just, even with the hook hanging there, I'm like, man, that is tasty with Michigan catching that seven and a half, Michael. Yeah, no, and and I think, look, look, I think when you look at Georgia's team and you see what they're able to do, I mean, you know, look, there's so many games where you know Georgia Tech they shut out, you know Charleston, um, I mean Missouri six points, Florida seven, you know Kentucky scored thirteen. Uh, Auburn only had 10 on them. I mean, Arkansas couldn't get a point against them. So we know how good they are dominant. It's going to take a complete package. It's going to take the ability to throw the football on first down and make some plays. And it's also going to be able to, you've got to stay ahead of the count. You can't get behind in this game. And, you know, when you've got to force Stetson Bennett to make some plays outside of his comfort zone. You know, when he can just run their offense in a way, you know, then it becomes easy. But this is a team that, you know, that they're they're able to create pressure. I mean, they're 13th in the nation in sacks, right? So other than that Alabama game, the ball's got to come out quick. And Harbaugh, you know, I think that one of the things that people forget about Harbaugh, it's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, we had this conversation about the Hall of Fame the other day and, and about who's in and who's out. Harbaugh has a 69.5 winning percentage in the NFL. Now, he only coached four years, only coached four years, only 64 games, you know, and, you know, he went to th- he went to playoffs in three of the four years. He played he was in eight playoff games in those three years. He won five, lost three. So 62 percent winning percentage in that lost the Super Bowl. But I mean, he has been a good coach. I mean, he's been a really good coach. Sixty nine point five percent winning percentage is outstanding. And, and just now I know it's four years. 
you know, Sean McVay's five years, he's at 68.4. So, you know, I, I think he, he doesn't get enough credit for being, because he couldn't be able to beat Ohio State. People kind of don't think he's a good coach, and yet he is a good coach. No, it, your, your point is well taken. San Diego, Stanford, and then into the pros where he hardly lost, as you mentioned, in those four years. And to be fair, prior to him getting there, this is a 5-7 and seven Michigan team. He's gone on to win 10, 10, 8, 10, 9, and now 12, uh, the COVID year I'll just toss. But it, he's won. You know what it is? He couldn't find a quarterback. A, a, right. And McNamara, who you mentioned before, has when he's needed to make throws, he's made them. But what they've done is special teams and up front on both sides of the ball is really where this year Michigan has stood apart, as you talked about that offensive line play. Yeah, no doubt. And I think this, too, and I don't mean to be critical of Don Brown, his former defensive coordinator, but Don Brown is the ultimate battleship football coach. He takes way too many chances. He, you know, he's got all the stats to back up his numbers, and people were raving about what he did defensively, but he gives up a lot of big plays. He gives up a lot of big plays. And I think that that really hurt them as much as any, especially against Ohio State, especially in those big games where they couldn't control the game. And so I think the change has been good for Jim. And I think this is a team, when you look at this team, there's a sense of camaraderie that you see amongst this team. Uh, and I think that that's a positive. And now, look, Georgia's a really good team. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy game. You know, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be back and forth. There's going to be ebb and flows within it. But it's not an easy – it's not going to be an easy game. But I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I do too. And I, it'll be – you know, Samir White, who is, you know, RB1 for George, but they got a quintet. They've got five guys they use at running back. I'll be curious to see – because Bennett's really never had to come from behind. I'll be curious to see if Monken goes – up tempo to kind of just because if he's if Pickens is back the stud wide receiver but I just don't see Georgia taking a lot of chances from the pocket just because of those edges and it, you know what I mean yeah I mean I think you got to play a clean game against you can't give a team that needs extra possessions more possessions right you don't want to do that and I think you want to be and especially in these games these final four games are playoff games right and what is the key to winning playoff games in the NFL or in college You've got to be able to control the third and shorts. If you don't do that, you're going to lose. And everybody says, well, that's not really, you know, that's not a big deal. No, third and three or less is hard to convert in playoff games. Because, you know, for all the people that want to go for it on fourth down, when the games get these important, you're not giving the ball to your opponent on your own 30. Mm -hmm. You're going to punt if you don't get those. So you've got to have an extensive catalog of plays on third and three and four. That's, that's really important. Secondly, you've got to have a really good red zone package. You can't settle for field goals. And you can't do the Brendan Staley thing and go for it every fourth down because it's, it's going to cost you. But you. So you've got to be able to maximize the trips you get within the red zone. And we all know this more than ever. It's turnovers. I mean, it's all about turnovers. You can't turn the ball over. You've got to protect the football. You've got to make sure that you don't lose the game. And I think that's really ultimately what matters in playoff games. Who can avoid losing? Can Cincinnati avoid losing tonight? And I think the longer that game goes, the dominance of Alabama will take over. Attrition. Does 45-and-a-half feel like the right total for Georgia-Michigan? It does. It does. It's a pro game. And that's a pro under-over number. Am I right or wrong on that? Absolutely. 
I mean, that's a pro. To me, it's a pro. It's a pro style game. Neither offense is flat. Now I know both offenses have scored 50 points and all that, but they're not the typical. We're just going to spread it out. We're going to run a thousand. You know, they're going to do what they. They're going to control pace of the game. I mean, Kirby wants to control pace of the game as much as anybody, and so does Harbaugh. Yeah, you you nailed it. 45 and a half as far as the pro total. And to be fair, you know, I keep on talking about still having the hook. To be fair, this opened closer to eight, eight and a half. So Michigan yeah, it's has come been down bad. a little bit. Yeah, and, and we still have we still have a long way to go. I mean, there, right now there's sixty one thousand tickets on on the in the Alabama game, and that money is split fifty four for forty six favoring Cincy. The Georgia Michigan game is fifty five thousand tickets written for that. They'll probably both these games might get to hundred thousand tickets. Now Michigan's got eighty percent of the money, eighty percent of the money. 65% of the tickets, 80% of the money. And that's why Vinny, yesterday, we joke with him about kind of straddling that fence, but he's going to get 90% of his cash today. I mean, yeah. That's why whether my, – my assumption would be if I told you one game settles at 14 and the other settles at 7, do you think that sounds about right? That sounds about right. I think that's the way the betting market's going. Although the Cincinnati – there's a lot of Cincinnati love out there. It might stay under the 13 and a half. Okay. We shall find out. With these games coming up today. Coming up next, Wes Reynolds joins us here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi 
Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer. New Year's Day, simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on any sport to win $200 in free bets. You just use the bonus code VSIN200. So, again, tomorrow, just place 10 bucks on any sport. And if you win, it's 200 bucks in free money over at BetMGM. All promotions are subject to qualification. Eligibility requirements, 1-800-GAMBLER, if you have an issue. It's BetMGM.com or simply download the app. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, he's Michael Lombardi on this New Year's Day. we got the semis coming up. Wes Reynolds, of course, host here on VEASAN, joins us now. Uh, I know he has a play on the under in the early game, so we'll start there. We'll say hi to Wes and Happy New Year's yeah. Eve. Uh, Wes, let's start there. 58, if you can find it, you're going to go under that total. Yeah, good to be with you guys, and Happy New Year to you both. Uh, Yeah, I did on this first game, Cincinnati-Alabama. I played under 58, also took a piece of Cincinnati at plus 14. When you look at this, Cincinnati, I don't think, is going to be necessarily overwhelmed by the moment. Because if you remember, they did play Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. Actually had a double-digit lead going into the fourth quarter, just couldn't make it hold up. But... I don't think it's going to be okay. They're against SEC athletes, so they're just going to be absolutely overwhelmed. I don't think that's the case at all. And what I really like is Cincinnati's defense, especially that secondary. If you look at the matchup perspective, this is actually the best secondary Alabama is going to play all year. Cincinnati might have the best cornerback duo in all of college football. They've got Kobe Bryant, who is the Thorpe Award winner, Sauce Gardner, who's only allowed 136 yards on 36 targets all season long. And that's I think Alabama is really going to miss John Mechie here because he was kind of that safety valve underneath. And this is a guy that had 96 catches, a little over 1,100 yards, and he's that possession receiver underneath. And they're going to miss him because if you look what Alabama has, I know they have plenty of talent, but it's not always necessarily proven. But besides Jamison Williams, you don't have an Alabama receiver that had more than 32 catches on the season. So I think Cincinnati, their secondary, can keep the Heisman winner Bryce Young from really carving them up. I do have some concerns about the Alabama offensive line, which was very good against Georgia in the SEC championship game. But the game before, you saw that that Auburn was really winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. Their defensive line absolutely played outplayed Alabama's offensive line. So, you know, I, once it got to 14, I had to take a shot with Cincinnati. And I do think if Cincinnati is going to stay in this game, this is going to have to be a little bit more ball control and not try to get up and down with these guys because that's going to be a losing battle for Luke Fickle's guys. And, and what do you think about, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, this will be the best secondary, and it'll be a challenge. And, and Alabama's offensive line has to play their best game, but Cincinnati's defensive front's got to play their best game as well. You know, but to me, where do you see Desmond Ryder fitting in versus the Alabama defense? Yeah, he's yeah, Michael, and he's going to have to hit some explosive plays. They're going to have to do some play action on the early downs. I mean, you don't want to get, okay, you run the ball a couple times, then you're in third and eight and third and nine all game long because that's not going to work for Cincinnati. We know they have a Will Anderson Jr. Alabama does on that defensive line. The same Will Anderson Jr. that says Alabama has been an underdog all year long, but we digress, so... Hmm. You know, you're going to have to really, I mean, hit them with quick hitting play action, I think, early on because they don't want to get necessarily behind the chains. I do think that Cincinnati, by the way, if they do get to fourth and short, they have a little bit of a shaky kicking situation. So you're probably going to see Luke Fickle be a little bit more aggressive and go for it 
on fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and four to, you know, kind of keep this going and knowing that you're a two touchdown underdog. The total talk to us about the tempo, the flow of this game. I'm expecting Alabama to run the football and I would imagine you are as well with that total of 58. You're going to go under the total. Yeah, no, no question. I think you're going to see them try to mix it up. I don't think it's just going to be pass, pass, pass. But one of the reasons I did like the under, as I mentioned before, was the secondary. Number one in passing efficiency defense is Cincinnati. Second in passing yards allowed. You can run it on them a little bit. They give up about 137 a game. But the defense just, they really don't give up a lot of explosive plays. I know that this is a step up in class. And I do think Nick Saban is going to want to establish the run because this has not really been kind of a vintage Alabama rushing attack. They only rate 80th out of 130 in FBS, about 148 yards a game because they've been so explosive with Bryce Young in the pass plays. But this is where they're really going to miss Mechie, I think, in this game, Patrick. And I think it keeps it close. I want to get your take on, and because I want you and Michael to go back and forth on Georgia and Michigan. I don't think, Wes, you have an official play, but let's talk Georgia-Michigan right now, Georgia. Georgia Lane, seven and a half. Yeah, God, this is two teams I really don't want to fade, and that's why I haven't played this game because it's kind of like two teams I want to bet on because I want to bet on Georgia because I think everybody's going to say, okay, this is just the same old Georgia good but not quite good enough after that another loss yet to Alabama. But this is where you would think that they would rebound. But I got to tell you, I like what I saw out of Michigan because I commented on during the Ohio State game, I was like, this is like Schimbeckler, Michigan football. <laughs> They're going back to being physical. They're going back to controlling the line of scrimmage, running the football. Now, they do have two quarterbacks because I think McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, the freshman, they have proven that they can make plays down the field if they have to. So I think that this is going to be a very physical game. And, I, you know, it's just one I'm looking forward to watching. I didn't really have a strong play on. I may get involved in-game, but... I think they're relatively evenly matched. I understand why people are taking the seven and the hook with Michigan after what they've seen, and maybe they're a little lukewarm on Georgia. But I will say be a little careful doing that. Yeah, You know, Wes, uh, that's kind of what I, I was hoping for. You know, I, I, wanted to see the, I wanted to see Alabama play Georgia again, and then we would have the Michigan-Cincinnati game just to maybe have a Michigan-Alabama or Michigan-Georgia game for the final because I think, I think Cincinnati will be the team that gets eliminated. And it set it up. I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, because I, I wanted to see both, you know, Michigan play these, these really good teams and with, with Georgia taking Michigan or out of it or Alabama, you know, whatever, it becomes a little bit more problematic. So I understand why they put Alabama one over Michigan. I get it. But to me, I thought the seedings would have would have looked better for the games because I'm like you. I, I kind of wanted to see the, the final in a different way. Are we all in unison? I'll start with you, Wes. If you were forced to have to watch one of these two, is it Georgia-Michigan? Yeah, it probably is because I think you've just got two. You've got two defenses that, look, they're looking to rip your heads off. I mean, they don't care what the score is. They're very aggressive. They both have very good pass rushers, especially on the Michigan side. Georgia is so good against the run. They have three of the four highest interior run defenders in the country in terms of ratings. You have, you know, you just, I just don't know how Michigan is going to be able to run the ball as well as they have all season. And also on the Michigan defense, you got to worry about that play action. I know 
everybody in the market is kind of lukewarm on Stetson Bennett, but we've seen all year he can hit you on play action on those early downs. So this is going to be a very good ball game, and I just I had to stay off Michigan a little bit here because I worry about that recency bias. Michael forced to watch one. I know it's Georgia, Michigan, right? Yeah, no doubt, no okay. doubt. I mean, I just think it's going to be a pro game, and it's got a pro line. I think it's two well-coached teams. You know, I think it'll be a battle in the trenches. It's a mental toughness and a physical toughness game. Not that Cincinnati, Alabama isn't, but I just think that game, the yeah. longer that game goes, it's it becomes more problematic for Cincinnati. As Wes said when he started this segment, when Cincinnati was playing last year, they kind of got wore down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, well put. The Wes got two minutes before we go and get a pro pick here. Um, Cincinnati hosting Kansas City. You're going to take the five. Yeah, I am. And, and look, it's hard to go against Kansas City when we were all kind of thinking, OK, the Chiefs are broken, or at least that was the sentiment on social media, right? That the Chiefs were broken after that loss at Tennessee, 27-3. But since then, they have now won eight in a row. I think the defense has been very good, especially that front four. I'm interested to see, and JBT and I were talking about this on the edge a couple days ago. I'm interested to see what Spags does if he goes ahead and just plays them straight up and gets pressure with the front four, tries to do that, or if he blitzes, because Burrow, I think, has actually been pretty good against the blitz a lot lately. And I just think, you know, Kansas City, they can still, I think, be had a little bit on defense, especially on play action. And if Burrow has time, we can see that he can pick defenses apart. There's no doubt. This game, that game to me is all about the pressure. It's all about the four defensive front versus Cincinnati. And when Cincinnati faces a team that shows pass rush, they have not been the explosive offense that we see. This is going to be really a challenge for that offensive line to block these guys at Kansas City. Take the five with the Bengals, says Wes Reynolds, as they look to win that division, of course. Host here on VEASAN all over. V- uh, Wes Reynolds, enjoy the games today, and Happy New Year, Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Wes. Thank you. Happy New Year. You Appreciate it, you all year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. That was a great job. At Wes Reynolds 1 on Twitter. Also, if you like golf, long shots. He and Brady do a great job with that. When we come back, some Philadelphia soul heading into the new year, Michael. I can't go for that. No can no. do. So we'll go pro. And we'll wrap up the show with a little bit more college as we continue along here on the Lombardi Line. On New Year's Eve 2021, headed into 2022. It's v the Esports Betting Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.